Hello, my name is Darby, and I'd like to begin by thanking you for listening to the second episode of the podcast. This episode is produced and recorded in the joint efforts of my sisters and I. It's my pleasure to ask them to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Grace, and I'm excited to share this interesting and ongoing crime that is relatable in its own way. Hello, everyone. My name is Marley, and I hope you find this episode informative. An Oregon City man has been arrested in the alleged kidnapping of a 13-year-old girl from Canada. Her family reported her missing in Edmonton on June 24th. She was found in Oregon City on Saturday morning. 41-year-old Noah Medrano now faces charges in both the United States and Canada. This episode is a little different from the previous one. Today, we will be presenting the details of a crime that hit a little too close to home, literally. As young Canadian women ourselves, the information will touch on situations that we may have experienced. First of all, in the interest of protecting the victim's family and allowing them privacy, we will not be including the victim's name. However, we can let you know that this took place in Edmonton, Alberta, in late June and early July of the year 2022. As young girls who live in the prairies, this is especially important to us personally, since we fit the same demographic as the victim in this crime. Crimes like this occur too often. Social media can be a dangerous place for anybody, but most often, young women like ourselves. Therefore, the aim of this podcast is to spread awareness about the vulnerability that teens face online. Hopefully, this reaches more young women like us. Because of social media, some unimaginable incidents occurred to a young girl in Alberta. Before we get into the details of this case, we'll begin with a brief overview. On the morning of June 24th, a 13-year-old girl left for Kalani Middle School on the bus. Later that morning, her parents received the unfortunate call that their daughter had not made it into school. Almost immediately, her family began going around the neighborhood to ask the community if anyone had seen her. They contacted authorities, began putting out posters, and even completed interviews with Global News and CTV. The police contemplated issuing an Amber Alert, but ultimately decided the case did not fit the criteria. Fast forward a few days, the family is being alerted that the child has been found over 1,500 kilometers away in Oregon City with a man over three times her age. Shortly after she had left for school that morning, the girl's parents were notified that she had not attended class. Her parents told the Global News that she had gotten on the bus to go to school, but she never went into the building. The girl was last seen on the current corner of 132nd Avenue, turning onto 91st Street, and heading towards Killarney Middle School in Edmonton. As we previously stated, the victim is only 13 years old. Many may mistake her for being older because of her height. She is 5'10", but with a slim build weighing around 100 pounds. The authorities and members of the community were searching for a Caucasian girl with blue eyes, short brown hair, and wearing a colorful hoodie paired with ripped blue jeans 
and black Converse shoes. While searching for his daughter, the girl's father was interviewed multiple times. Her father told the interviewer that he would like for people to check their doorbell cameras to try and see if they could see her, or if she was with anyone, etc. The girl's mother also formed a Facebook group to help find her daughter, which had more than a thousand members. Her parents also put missing person flyers around their neighborhood. After restless nights of her parents searching for anything to help find their daughter, on July 2nd, they were informed that she had been found. To their surprise, she was roughly 1,500 kilometers away from their home in Edmonton, and she was found in Oregon City. The girl's father stated that they were at the airport within an hour of finding out where she was. After several delays and cancellations, they arrived in Oregon and were reunited with their daughter. While the girl was hugging her father, after being away from her family for more than a week, she said that she had seen her face on the news. Her father wrote, When I was hugging her, she told me that she saw her face and she saw the news. This made my heart melt. That means in her darkest moments, when she needed her family, she could see us and she could see the overwhelming response of her community to bring her home. He also wrote about what will happen next for their family. We've gone for seven or eight days with absolutely no information, worrying where she could possibly be, he said. We're ecstatic. We are so relieved to have her back. We are not going to kid ourselves and say, we're just going to pick her up and everything's back to normal, her father said. But we have a very strong family. I think this should be a lesson to all families in Canada of missing children that don't give up hope and always keep pushing forward. Be relentless because you can find your children and you can get them back. The family expressed how grateful they were to have Edmonton Police Service Units, ALERT or Alberta Law Enforcement Response Teams, Northern Alberta ICE Unit, the RCMP, Abbotsford Police, U.S. Customs and Border Control, CBSA, Gladstone Police in Oregon, Oregon City Police, and the FBI as part of this investigation in finding their daughter. This being said, the victim's father had noticed a few changes with his daughter. He said her personality started shifting about a year before, and she became even more isolated just before she disappeared. He thought maybe it was just the average teenage mood swings. Maybe his daughter was trying to figure out herself, uh, and this was just a phase. Little did he know that a stranger in another country was part of the problem. The father said that he isn't sure how their communication began, but they had conversations on multiple popular social media platforms. The father predicts that the man broke down his daughter's spirit and self-worth, then used manipulation to isolate her from her friends and family and her social network. When his daughter's self-esteem was absolutely crushed, the man welcomed her into his world. The man told her he loved her and accepted her so that she felt comfortable with telling him her personal information. The man suspected of taking the child has been identified as Noah Whitmore Madrano. He is a 40-year-old Caucasian man from Gladstone, Oregon. 
He's currently being held at Clackamas County Jail in Oregon. According to uncredited sources, this man's background seems quite suggestive of someone that would commit a crime like this. Supposedly, he was a co-host for an explicit radio show that comments on child exploitation on KBOO Radio. Thus far, the station has not addressed him by name, but it has been confirmed that someone named Noel Madrano volunteered at the station. The station also posted a tweet thanking their fans for making them aware of the misconduct of one of their volunteers. Another comment from the girl's father reads, I want him in prison for as long as possible. As the trial progresses, we'll be very active and make sure we'll be at all court appearances and pushing for the longest sentence possible. In an email to Global News, the accused's sister wrote, No words of ours will ease the trauma that the young victim and the victim's family have endured. If such words existed, we would offer them with all the sorrow and anguish that fills our hearts. Our greatest hope is that this young person and their family are able to heal through a combination of time, support, and love. We love Noah unconditionally, which includes loving him even through the most unthinkable of acts. Our love does not mean that we condone, excuse, or minimize these acts. Vehemently, we do not. There is no excuse for harming a child. We ask for our privacy to be respected so that we may begin to process these events. On the legal side of things, the report began with listing the girl as missing in the Canadian Police Information Centre and the Child Search Network, a national database shared among Canadian law enforcement and a nationwide app created by the Missing Children Society of Canada, respectfully. The accused has thus far been held at Clackamas County Jail and appeared in the court on July 6 for arraignment. During this appearance, Madrano was formally advised of the charges and against him and advised to get a lawyer as soon as possible. Noah Madrano has since been charged with many felonies relating to this crime. These charges have been primarily invoked by the state of Oregon, but additional charges will surely be issued by Edmonton Police Services as well as the FBI as the trial unfolds later this month. He is currently facing charges of kidnapping, rape, and sexual abuse in Oregon. According to Narcity.com, the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office has reported also charging Madrano for sodomy and unlawful sexual penetration. Madrano's bail is currently set at $500,000 with an FBI hold, meaning he cannot currently be released, be released even with bail. The police reported that the young girl was taken to a local children's hospital near where she was found to get checked out. She was given a precautionary examination and possibly a rape kit, but that has not been confirmed. Arrangements were made to bring her safely back to her family, which happened on July 2nd. Before the young girl was taken, she was talking to Noah Madrano online. He was also found with her, which is why he is the number one suspect. Madrano was charged with kidnapping, rape, and sexual assault, 
as we said before. Madrano seems to be the only person that makes sense that could have taken the girl. But since the trial has not yet begun, we cannot say anything for certain. Noah Madrano is currently in custody until his trial on August 30th, 2022. Many are suspicious as to why no Amber Alert was issued. Law enforcement has explained that there was no indication that the 13-year-old had been taken and that she had not just run away. Once they had some suspicion that she had been taking, taken, they critically considered an Amber Alert. An Edmonton police officer has explained that the investigation is unique in that Edmonton Police Services does not often have to coordinate with police forces outside the province, let alone across international borders. This makes it more complicated when issuing an alert. By the time they were ready to send it out, the girl had been found. Police in Abbotsford, BC did acquire CCTV footage of the girl at a fast food restaurant from the day before she was found. The restaurant was about five kilometers from the Sumas border crossing into Washington State. that teenagers are aware of the dangers of social media. As a society, we are consuming our life with all that social media has to offer. Whether it's worrying about taking a picture before you take your first bite of a meal, or you're figuring out the photo you're going to take on your first trip to Disneyland. It is crazy how careless we are with our time and energy. Personally, the amount of time I spend on social media is far too much. I find myself scrolling for an hour without hesitation and not regretting it. If we stop to think about the time we spent on social media, I think cases like this young girl's would happen less. It is extremely important to realize anything and everything on social media can be fake, especially with today's technology, Photoshop, and other editing apps can make anything possible. It is important to stay safe and think twice before making rash decisions like meeting up with strangers we haven't met in real life. The girl's father explained how he feels on the topic. He said, don't let your guard down with internet use. Always watch your children. This is something that was unexpected to us. We had all the parental controls imaginable. They will find access somehow and there are predators out there waiting for our children. The internet is a scary place, her father explained. The way predators act can be completely unpredictable, in bad situations and may seem normal at times. There are lots of resources you can contact for free and can help you when you're uncertain in a sketchy situation. There are also times that no matter how many pre precautions one might take, bad things still occur. Sadly, these types of situations happen more to women, but more specifically, women of color. No matter your race, sexuality, or gender, there is no excuse that can justify those actions and or behavior. Aside from the dangers of social media, there are many factors that contribute to the dangers that young women face on a daily basis. Many people hold preconceived notions of who crimes like this can happen to. People will say, 
this only happens in big cities, this only happens to those of a lower social class, or this only happens to racial minorities. This often leads to people who do not fit these stereotypes, letting their guard down, and before you know it, it's happening to them. Basically, we just want people like us to be safe and learn from the, from the events in this true crime story. What happened to this child is awful. All we want is for things like this to never happen again. If you or someone you know is struggling with cyber assault or sketchy people online, please contact the following sources. Cybercrime, FBI, Kids Help Phone, Child Help Services, or your local authorities for anything you're unsure about that is involved with cybercrime. The sources we use for this podcast can be found in the description. Okay, guys, so we have a little list here of things we kind of want to talk about. I am hoping that eventually we can make another episode about this case once there's more information released on his trial. And honestly, his trial is probably going to take like months to finish. If not like a year and a half. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think there's going to be a lot of information that's unfolded. One thing I really, really am interested to hear about is... um, what the girl has said about her experience as to what's happened because really we have no information as to what she has said happened yeah but the family seems to want their privacy so i can see how that yeah of course of course but in the trial like stuff is gonna stuff is yeah gonna come out. especially because they said they were gonna be involved and gonna yeah. be there and everything yeah really anything to add um <laughs> <laughs> I am also interested to hear what the victim has to say. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot when we were doing the research, because all of the information is either coming from the police or her parents, and we haven't heard from the girl herself, so I'm interested to see what she has to say. I'm also interested to see what like Noah Madrano is going to say during the trial and how he's going to plead what his demeanor is like and like all of that kind of stuff okay I'm like very interested to see if she's going to speak up specifically to say how she could have done things better because I feel like that could be a very powerful image for ongoing discussions and situations like this again and maybe as she gets older that could progress into something that she wants to do as a career like inspire people on how to um yeah that would that would be a really positive way for her to take this experience as soon as you said that you know the psychology in me is like oh man I never (laughs) even I never even thought about how like she's probably gonna be so traumatized regretful that she didn't do things differently in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I hope that I hope that she takes it and spins it in a positive way rather than just kind of ruminating in in the regret or like yeah. the negative things that she sees herself doing. I could see that turn into a really good book, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I a true crime book? Yeah. I did 
Do we think that Noah is going to plead guilty? No. Absolutely not. I really I don't, don't think, think so. so either, but I think they're going to have enough evidence against like, him, too. You think he's going to say, like, I didn't do it? Yeah. Just by, if all of our listeners, too, also look up this case, um, you can find a video of his arraignment on July 6th, and um, he's just, like, videoed in to the courtroom. He's not actually there, but even on the video, like... He he's shaking his head. Yeah, he's shaking his head. He just, like, he's almost, like, acting like he's in disbelief. Like, how could this be happening to me? I didn't do anything. Is basically what I get from, yeah. from him being mm-hmm. there. Um, he also seems to not be very compliant with <laughs> law officials. Very true. <laughs> they're, they're trying to, like, tell him to go, like, to get a lawyer mm-hmm. in his best interest. And he's like, well, I tried to. I tried to. Like, I have the papers and no one will let me hand it in. Oh my goodness. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and if you and if you weren't guilty, would you really think you needed a lawyer? If you if you already well, had do. that paperwork Grace, and stuff? Grace, they do need a lawyer. Yes, no I what. know, but... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, I also really don't know anything more about his background other than he was on this radio show. Yeah. But it didn't say anything about, like what he did for a job because he it said he volunteered on the radio station mm-hmm. so i don't know what he did for a job um it doesn't say anything about his past criminal history if he has any like that um or anything like that so we'll see if that all comes out at his trial on the 30th as well honestly um, i really think noah knows exactly what he did and he just is in such disbelief that he just doesn't want to that, admit to himself all the horrible things that he's done. Maybe. That reminds Dissociated. me. Dissociated. Just today, I watched a trailer for, uh, I think it was a movie or TV series on Netflix. It was called I Just Killed My Dad. Oh. And the trailer was a man that killed his dad, but, like, he called 911 on himself, and then they were like, 911, it's your emergency. And then he said... Uh, I just, um, killed my dad. And then he's, like, in all these interviews, and he's saying, well, I, I didn't do anything wrong, so I don't think I should be in prison. Oh. But it's, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. So, I yeah. think I've, I've heard stories like know. that. And the that. 911 calls, <laughs> 911, <laughs> 911 calls that you hear about, um, little girls and yeah. their mom, like, something's wrong with them, and you never know did that person commit a crime and they they just blanked out and yeah. they don't remember it or that happens yeah it's almost like you go into like a stress induced yeah. hypnosis like, and then you actually don't remember anything yeah. that happened anyway okay we're getting off track <laughs> i just hope that it's something like that cuz that'd be fun to watch yeah <laughs> i don't know well, intriguing. i i kind of hope that isn't the case because then I hope it'll be d- more guilty. difficult to put him behind bars. That is true. Anyway, okay, so I think we went over most of the things that we wanted to talk about. Um what we what we think happened. We didn't like really go into I feel like I I was thinking more specifically like at the very beginning. And how, how she crossed the border. Because that's something we didn't touch on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And 
because there really is no information about it so far. Um, do we think that he crossed the border into Canada to get her and brought her back? Do we think somehow he, like, enticed her to get herself past? I really think he was, like, he was not at her school, but he was, like, I don't know, a couple blocks away and texting her saying, oh, you want to meet up? You can skip school. It's okay. You can trust me. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then got him into his car and he's like, okay, let's go for coffee and just kept driving or something. Yeah, I don't know. Very plausible. Um, also, do you think it, it said on there that they were talking online. Do you think he was himself or do you think he was pretending to be someone else? Honestly, he could have been a younger version of himself. Yeah. Because she's only 13. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. I think... I think maybe he was, he, I, I really think it was a picture of himself, but possibly younger, and then just a completely different description, like what he was doing maybe. as a job and stuff like that. And where do you think they met on social media? It said a popular social media platform, but yeah, but one. like, how did they come across each other? Was she on a dating app? No. Which, not if, not if the parents had that much, like, true. true. Probably Instagram is my guess. Could be. That's where. Could we also go. be something like Snapchat, though. It could be. Because mm. then you know no one's face. It's just a bitmoji. Unless literally they're sending. Pictures, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but like when you first come across it, you're not going to know what they look like. You have a brief description. Yeah, but you don't This know is exactly. all such good reasons as to why I'm so excited to hear the girl's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Um. Do we, does anyone have any experiences they want to share about their online experiences? There's some scary people? No, nothing that's happened to me, but with a couple of my old friends, there have been creepy guys asking them if they want money and things like that. And it just freaks me out how if little girls aren't taught how to react mm-hmm. to that and not like and not taught to block them immediately yeah. they can go like imagine if your mom had cancer and he's offering you money it could go very for sideways. treatment it could go very sideways very fast yeah it very much depends on the situation yeah and you have no idea who these people are with social media and you have no idea who's real and who's not and who you can trust mm-hmm. and I think a big warning sign for me is if they're telling, like, if they're leading you to pull away from your family, like what happened with mm-hmm. this 13 That is year old. true. That is true. Because if they're telling you to pull away from your family, those are the people you actually know you can trust. That's the people that you've grown up with. Yeah. For sure. Even if it's just the family you made growing up and it's not your biological family, that's still the people that you know. Mm-hmm. Your closest ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, great discussion. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Okay. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and continue to follow along. Follow along on our journey to 
Oh my goodness. And continue to follow along on our journey to discovering what really happened and how this young girl was taken. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope you really enjoyed this.